Thank you for listening to the Coal Mine Podcast. This is David Cole from Dallas, Texas, and it's September 2022. This week, I look at the national motto, In God We Trust. A recent Texas statute requires that if a durable poster, in the language of the statute, that has the motto and the U.S. and the Texas flags on it is donated to a public school, then the school must display that poster in a prominent place. Again, the words of the statute. The law drew a lot of attention last week when a local Dallas area school district refused to accept a sign with the motto written in Arabic. I take a look in this podcast at the motto itself, the law that has been passed about it, and what we can expect to see in the school year ahead. I conclude that the drafters of our new Texas law may have inadvertently stimulated a much broader debate about the national motto than they intended to create. The sayings, In God We Trust and E Pluribus Unum, have been around federal buildings, national monuments, paper money, and coins for a long time. The first recorded use of In God We Trust on American money was in some coinage in 1795. It's used off and on throughout the 19th century, largely in the discretion of the U.S. Mint. In 1908, a law was passed to formalize that practice and require that the phrase In God We Trust appear on a number of coins used by the U.S., And then in 1956, the phrase, In God We Trust, officially became the national motto. A moment's thought about why 1956. It's the height of the Cold War. The Soviet Union is at the peak of its power and influence around the world. And the United States is striving to position itself as something meaningfully different from the avowedly atheistic government of the communist Soviet Union. The saying, In God We Trust, provided a vehicle for doing that in a relatively neutral way that found as much common ground as possible among various religious groups. Records show that when President Eisenhower signed the law into effect in 1956, it was relatively uncontroversial and was actually quite popular as part of the larger positioning that the United States was engaging in on the world stage against the Soviet Union and its allies. That leads me to the Texas law. Enacted during the pandemic, it sort of flew beneath the radar because a lot of campuses weren't fully occupied until this school year. Codified in Section 1004 of our Texas Education Code, entitled Display of National Motto, it has two material subparts. The first says that a public school must display in a conspicuous place in each building of the school a durable poster or framed copy of the United States national motto, In God We Trust, if it meets certain requirements set out in the other subsection of the law, and is donated for display at the school or institution or purchased from private donations and made available to the school or institution. So to summarize, if private donors contribute to the school a durable poster or framed copy of the national motto that comports with some other requirements of the law, it must be displayed in a conspicuous place at the school. What are those requirements? Subpart B of the statute. There are two. The first says that the durable poster or framed copy must contain a representation of the United States flag centered under the national motto and a representation of the state flag. The second subpart says that the poster or framed copy may not depict any words, images, or other information other than the representations listed in the previous subsection about the motto and the two flags. The statute poses two questions. The first, 
is there anything wrong with it constitutionally? The answer is pretty clearly no. The national motto and its required display on things such as coinage has been challenged from time to time in the courts. It's never reached the U.S. Supreme Court, but every circuit court that's looked at it in the various different contexts where the display of the motto comes up has held that it is not considered an establishment of religion that would violate that part of the First Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. The general idea, and it varies a little depending on the context, is that generic references to a deity or a higher power are what is called a civil religion, something that is not connected to any particular religious beliefs or faith tradition, commonly seen in public discussion, and isn't seriously connected to the establishment of any particular religion in anyone's eyes. That leads to the second question. Is the statute a good idea? Proponents of the statute are clearly motivated by religious belief and believe that whatever religious reference they can encourage in the public space is a good one. That, however, is limited by constitutional boundaries. Another group of proponents of the statute, religious or not, believes it's simply a good idea to have patriotic sayings and imagery about the country displayed in public so that we can look at it and be reminded of our national traditions. The counter-argument is both religious and political. From the religious side, it was well stated by none other than Theodore Roosevelt, president at the turn of the last century, an ardent patriot and a committed Christian. He believed the inclusion of In God We Trust on the nation's coinage was, in his language, in effect irreverence which comes dangerously close to sacrilege. He believed and said in public that he thought having that phrase on such things as coins and postage stamps cheapens the motto. In other words, he accepted the premise that simply referring to a generic God was something independent of religious belief, but believed instead of advancing the religious cause, it detracted from it, making it a piece of advertising rather than something unique and spiritual. The political counterargument draws upon the motivations that led to the law being passed in the first place in the 1950s about patriotism and uses those principles against the statute. Yes, the United States is something different from the Soviet Union, standing for freedom economically and politically, a number of other principles as well. One of those principles, of course, is that can't require schoolchildren constitutionally to say the Pledge of Allegiance. How is the national motto different? In the United States, unlike the Soviet Union, the argument goes, you are free to dislike the national motto. And placing it in a school as something official that everyone should agree with is, as that argument would go, contrary to the ideals that the U.S. stands for. That background leads us to the recent dispute. The Carroll School District, located north of Dallas in a suburb called South Lake, notable for outstanding academics and a truly outstanding tradition of football, having won many state championships in the highly competitive state of Texas, at the beginning of the school year received several durable posters and framed copies of the national motto that complied with the statute from a local business. They were accepted at a school board meeting, pictures were taken, and the posters were then placed in the various campuses. A couple of weeks later, last week, a father in the school district, Sravan Krishna, donated six framed posters. One had In God We Trust on it, as required by the law. However, it was written in Arabic. The others were written in English, but were decorated in various vibrant rainbow colors. Mr. Krishna presented his posters formally at a meeting of the Carroll School Board, and they turned it down. The president of the school board said, The statute requires 
a durable poster or framed copy, which limits displays to one poster or framed copy in an effort not to overwhelm schools with donations. They did not accept his posters. He left, and the situation has since drawn some national attention, both to the decision by the board and the merits of the Texas statute. That then leads to the statute. Who's right? Probably both are to some degree. Both Mr. Krishna and the Carroll School Board President are reading the statute correctly. The first provision requires that the district display in a conspicuous place a durable poster or framed copy if it meets certain requirements as to who donates it and what it says. But of course, it doesn't say A up to a maximum of one. It simply says A. Mr. Krishna's point is he's got A poster and another one, all to a total of six, that match the number of campuses in the Carroll school system. Thus, he complies with the statute because he's offering posters that are compliant with its requirements. Certainly the position that the school district have taken is one you can be sympathetic to. It doesn't seem fair to require the district to put up dozens of posters in conspicuous places. On the other hand, we accept statutes the way they're written, and Mr. Krishna's reading is not unreasonable either, that if a poster meets the requirements of the law, it is something that the district must receive. While the legislature was likely thinking there would just be one poster put up, that's not in fact what they said, and you can envision a situation where having a lot of posters with different colorations, different languages, different ways of expressing the same message would be pro-democratic and enhance the overall discussion and appreciation of the national motto. In other words, it's not an irrational thing for the legislature to have done, and in response to the district's concern about being overwhelmed by posters, while that's a valid concern, the fact of the matter is only a certain number of people are going to donate posters. In the real world, there are only so many people that are going to give them, and there are a lot of walls in large schools. So as a practical matter, the theoretical concern is probably not all that realistic. I ran the statute by the Cole family children remaining at home, the oldest being at college, the others being teenagers of various years, and they had a number of ideas about contributions they could make to their own local school district. What if, they said, you wrote the motto in a really jarring font? Some fonts are associated with certain political movements, some fonts are easier to read, some fonts are hard to read. Perhaps you can make a statement about the motto, pro or con, by the way you wrote it. What if the poster was shaped in a certain way? You shaped it in a Star of David or in the crescent shape uh, associated with the beginning of Ramadan. Yes, the statute says that a poster may not contain any other information than the representations listed in Subdivision 1, but implicit in Subdivision 1 is some requirement that the motto be written in a font and that there be some background color. It doesn't require black and white. If you have the ability to choose one font, why not another? Why not a hundred? Those are good questions. And there's yet another possible reading of this statute that was, that was not offered at the recent South Lake Carroll School Board meeting. The district says it's just one. Mr. Krishna says it's anyone who shows up with a compliant sign. But the other thing missing from this statute is any requirement for how long the poster must remain in the conspicuous place. Surely the legislature didn't mean to just put it up for a few seconds. But, in the absence of an express term, perhaps a fair reading would be a reasonable time. Thus, the 
Posters donated by the wireless group at the beginning of the year stay for a week or two, then Mr. Krishna's for a week or two, then no posters at all if nobody has donated them, then perhaps back to one of the original ones, and then maybe the school art class donates a number of posters, and those are the posters that go up. Again, almost surely not what the legislature intended when it drafted this statute, But it is a rational reading of the statute, and it does balance the interests of people that want a more traditional presentation of the motto as compared to folks like Mr. Krishna that want to expand it to other languages and other color schemes. At the end of the day, then, Mr. Krishna's offer of these posters to the Carroll School Board, whether or not it's ever accepted by Carroll, has in some ways led to an unintended consequence for this statute. The national motto, while it's been the motto for many, many years now, is fairly obscure. We see it every day on paper money, on coins, perhaps on the occasional stamp, and we really pay it no mind. But his offer, its rejection by the district, and this new law by the Texas legislature in the background that reminds us of its national significance, has sparked a debate about the motto, the law, and just what it means to have a national motto. We had a conversation for the entire dinner hour last week about what it means to present the motto in a certain way. That conversation is a very constructive one, and while it may not have been what the legislature intended when it passed its law, it is a consequence of it and perhaps is something that will turn into a positive for the school districts that approach this statute during the course of this year. In this episode of Coal Mind, I looked at the national motto in God We Trust and a new Texas law requiring its display on a durable poster on public school campuses across the state. Judging by what happened in Southlake last week, the law may have had the unintended consequence of stimulating a much more far-reaching discussion about the motto than the law's drafters ever envisioned. For upcoming episodes, I plan to continue looking at other such back-to-school issues, such as library selection as the school year picks up steam, as well as the many issues developing as a result of the Supreme Court's Dobbs opinion that overruled Roe v. Wade earlier this year. I want to thank Brooke Rogers of KTVT Channel 11, the CBS affiliate and DFW, for reaching out to me about the new flag law last week, and to again thank my college classmate Susan Levine for the intro and outro music that I've used for this podcast since its beginning. Susan has a band called The Lied Twos, and they have a new album out. I encourage you to give it a listen and buy it online if you like the music that you hear on this podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast on any of the main directories, and if you like it, I encourage you to join other satisfied listeners and leave a kind five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate you listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again soon. Mm -hmm.